Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Thad Haight. Today we're going to be discussing the first Pierce Brosnan entry in the Bond franchise, Goldeneye. Yes, and what an excellent entry it is. It is quite good, isn't it? I mean, obviously I have a few nitpicks as always, but it's just, it's a solid movie. You have nitpicks? I know, right? (laughs) So this is the first one I saw in the theater Mm -hmm. when it came out, and... I do think it's a very good movie. I also, I strangely have some issues with it that we'll get to when we talk through the movie. And I don't know if you agree with me on this, but in general, like this is a general comment about Pierce Brosnan's movies, I think. This has been a franchise, or is a franchise that has been around for a long time by this point. Um, there was a big, obvious hiatus, you know, post mm-hmm. uh, License to Kill. But to me... Most of those older movies, and I'm using the term loosely, but the older movies have a timeless feel to them. Uh, You know, even when we get into the 80s and they start introducing things like desktop computers that look really old by today's standards. For whatever reason, this movie in particular always feels very, very mid-90s to me. Just the look of it, the technology involved, and for whatever reason, I don't feel that it has aged quite as well as some of the other movies that came before it. I don't know if that's fair. Yeah. And that's not necessarily saying it's a bad movie. It's just it there's things in here that jump out to me like, "Oh, this was a 90s movie." More than more so than the other films it, like uh, other than, you know, obviously things like casual sexism and whatnot that we had in the 60s and 70s. You know, I didn't get that vibe at all. Like I, there definitely oh. are 90s things, uh, the the IBM computers and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> but it didn't it it didn't feel any more 90s to me than the than the Dalton ones felt 80s. Okay. And again, maybe this is because this is the first one that I remember being a new movie, uh, mm-hmm. just because of, of my age. So uh, it could just be that in my head, I have this weird separation between almost like BC and AD, where you have before Pierce and after Pierce of the the, 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 sh- the movies. You think of it as a new movie because you remember when it came out. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I... Yeah don't i wasn't watching james bond yet uh okay 95 would have been nine years old no i hadn't seen james bond yet uh okay i i don't remember this movie coming out at all i the first the my introduction to this movie was through the n64 video game which actually came out two years later mm-hmm. yeah i think we talked about that once about like it's like a first person shooter game i think right mm-hmm. it was yeah. it was like the first person shooter game of the mid 90s. Ah. It was the like it was the first big console first person shooter with multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So like it sort of established that paradigm that that's still around today with, you know, that being a huge genre. Okay. Yeah, my friends, you know, growing up we had my my good friend from high school, he had a N60 or he didn't have an N64. He had the uh the Super Nintendo. And, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm, I'm old. Right. <laughs> so I didn't really know anyone that... I didn't have, like, a, a friend or... I, and I didn't have a, that era of gaming console. So I didn't really... I, I was aware of it, but I didn't actually play it. Is that the one that has that goofy, like, trigger handle on the bottom? Yes. Oh, the N64 okay. controller is pretty terrible by modern standards. <laughs> <laughs> At the yeah. time, though, it was the first one with an analog joystick. Uh Mm. so well I mean, unless oh, you yes. go yeah, that's, way back to yeah. like the literal joysticks of the atari age but anyway well see i grew up with those so <laughs> so this movie 
let's see, where do we... I think it's worth talking, you know, obviously this is the first Pierce Brosnan film. And again, maybe a little bit because the other movies were so much older than I was and it already existed. And I don't think I would even put Timothy Dalton in this camp. Pierce Brosnan is just one of those people that just... He was born to play James Bond at some point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan is... So, Moore is my favorite Bond. Pierce Brosnan is who I think about when I think of... If I think of James Bond, my mental image is Pierce Brosnan. Okay. It's interesting. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is the only actor to play James Bond so far who was not from a British Commonwealth country. I mean, he's from Ireland, so it's like, you know, it's related, but they're certainly not part of the British Commonwealth. So, which part of the Commonwealth did Woody Allen come from? <laughs> oh, you mean actual James Bonds. Okay, sorry. <laughs> we'll get there eventually, I think. Must we? That's going to be a fun watch. Because uh... <laughs> uh, Lazenby was from Australia, so... Yes, it's... that's right. So, Brosnan was not the first Bond who was not English, but... Oh, well, well English, Connery's Scottish, and yeah, it's, Bos- mm-hmm. Brosnan is not the first Bond from the UK, but not from the UK, but Australia is part of the British Commonwealth, so that's interesting. So we need to get like a Canadian to play Bond next, I guess, or or a Jamaican, or, Jamaican, yeah. yeah, that would be interesting. So it's also interesting. We talk about the long period of time between License to Kill and Goldeneye. Um, mm-hmm. Here we are in 2020. Um, Last week, I made the incredibly quick-to-be-corrected statement that (laughs) I think No Time to Die is still going to come out in November of 2021. Literally two days after I said that, there was an announcement (laughs) that it it was no longer going to come out in 2021. Uh, So So what do you think the odds are that it really will come out Easter of 2021? Or, or, I'm sorry, yeah, November 2020 is what I was meant to say. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's anybody's guess. Um... It's I mean, what, at what this movie point, comes out in Easter? That's kind of weird, isn't it? A little weird, yeah. yeah. Uh, at this point, I'm not going to make any more guesses about what may or may not happen vis-a-vis things that shouldn't really happen during a pandemic because right. it just it changes constantly. Uh, I honestly don't know. So, Goldeneye. But anyway, this movie that we yeah. should be talking about. Yep. <laughs> See... You wanted to talk about the gun barrel music, I think. Yeah, it sounds different. It's it's not the same. It is synthesized, and it doesn't sound the same as it does before, and it also makes me think of the video game. Okay. Basically, it, the N64 video game, which I will mention many times in this episode, uh, okay. y- uses the movie soundtrack. And huh. that was a big thing because, like, console before that era of consoles, you really couldn't have, like actual music Mm -hmm. and even then it's synthesized it's not real it was like midi stuff right right it's still computer synthesized but it's not but it's like the difference between playing a midi on a computer and listening to the beeps on an nes i mean this is a bit of a anyway the music it is very synthesized and it sounds it does actually sound like a video game music like video game music to me a little bit in this intro yeah a bit this is a very it's a very divisive score I think for Bond fans and I, I, I like don't, it. Yeah, I like it too to for the most part. Um we'll get to a scene where I'm like this this cue is terrible. But so Eric Serra who's the composer, 
uh, was pretty well known, I think, for doing uh, films like La Femme Nikita and Leon the Professional. And mm-hmm. what I don't understand is people rag on the score because it doesn't sound like John Barry. But if you've watched Leon the Professional or you've watched La Femme Nikita, you know what you're going to get. Like, <laughs> this is what his music sounds like. And this is yes. what they decided they wanted to have for the movie. So um, you could like it or hate it, but to say, like, why doesn't why didn't Eric Serra write a more John Barry-type score? Then It's like, well, then hire somebody like a John Barry to do it. It's one of those instances where it bugs me when people, they, they want to hire somebody, but then they want them to do something that's not their style. Uh, you can argue whether or not the style works. I think there are certain cues that I like. Like, I like the beginning of the mo- movie a lot. I like, he does this, like, synthetic drum pad thing with the Bond theme that I think is kind of neat. It's like these almost synthesized timpani or something. I don't know exactly what it is at the beginning and throughout the film, actually. But... it's fine i i it's not one i listen to a lot but i would listen to it probably over the marvin hamlish score from the spy who loved me uh, yes which i know you didn't care for at all but uh <laughs> anyway no. uh yeah so it's it's different but the the thing i've always it's kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way is the cgi gun barrel itself that danny Kleinman did this is his first time doing the titles and stuff and he took over for Morris Bender and they tried to jazz it up a bit and I think it just mm-hmm. it it's another one of those things that makes it look more dated I think than anything else the blood um, coming down yeah the blood coming down especially is not great <laughs> yeah but we come out of that into probably the most I would say probably the most famous moment in the film actually oh yeah and it was in the trailer and all that stuff when he jumps off this dam I'm not sure this is the most effective way to break into this place, but... It's the tallest bungee jump ever shot for a film. I believe it. Yeah, it. I feel like there must be an easier way to get in. Well, my question is, he does all this stuff and breaks in, but how did Trevelyan get in already? <laughs> that is an excellent question. Because <laughs> he's already there. But yeah, cool stunt. It is a cool stunt. I appreciate that they made the stunt guy's hair very much like Pierce Brosnan's. It's much Cause... better than the Timothy Dalton stuntman Liam Westman. <laughs> this is correct. <laughs> oh, God. Wearing the second Doctor wig. Yes. <laughs> so, this bathroom is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's not... I mean, they haven't cleaned those urinals in a while, have they? No. Plus, I don't think the guy washes his hands. He does not. No. Also, anyone who's played the video game knows that the the real way to do this without getting detected is to shoot the guy with the silenced gun from inside the vent. Ah. Oh. <laughs> so this is a level of the game? Yes. Uh, the game, for the most part, follows the movie very faithfully. Okay. They actually took the various sets of the movie, designed them in the video game, and then made up the way that the game uses the sets. Mm-hmm. Instead of plotting out the entire process of the game and then making the set, they actually designed all the levels first based on how they were arranged in the movie. And then we're like, okay, let's make the game fit this. Interesting. Okay. 
Yeah, so the game follows it very well. Interestingly, there's an entire level before he jumps off the dam of him, like, getting to the dam and fighting some Russians on the way there that obviously didn't happen in the movie. But, yes, in the, for the most part, hmm. yeah. And this the entire, like, whenever I watch this movie, I'm like, oh, I remember that part. I remember, I remember <laughs> doing that part in the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because I played the game first. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right. Okay, that makes sense. So this is like a chemical research facility right like yes chemical weapons or something mm-hmm. how much meat do they eat in this place a lot apparently because there's that shot of like that always kind of throws me of the guy in the beef locker or something that <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know what you call it like the, the giant meat locker, locker refrigerator freezer the meat locker yeah you know, <laughs> yeah not the beef locker <laughs> It's it's a specialized meat this, locker for beef only. Uh, this episode is going <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> yeah, well. But yes, the 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 there's a lot of meat in that meat locker. <laughs> do the Russians do, do they eat exclusively beef and no other foods in Russia? Uh, maybe I don't know. I've always liked this opening a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. You know them breaking like the classic spy breaking into the base kind of thing and they're setting up the the timers to blow it up and and all this stuff and and you know you meet sean bean briefly here uh i mean it's shocking when the second build actor shows up halfway through the movie and not is not dead i i know but um well maybe because it's sean bean (laughs) it's shocking he's not dead yet uh did Sean Bean have a huge re- reputation for dying yet at, at this point, though? Probably, probably not. Actually, I'm, I'm, I have to admit, I'm not. I, I'm, I haven't seen that many of his films, you know, other than the obvious ones. I, I just know that that's a. We joke did just mean, talk about you know. Clear and Present Danger. We did, yeah. Which? <laughs> when did that come out? I think does that predate this movie? Would have been around the same time, I think. Yeah. I would. I think uh, Sean Bean, um, certainly in England, was probably best known at this time for uh, for the uh, Sharp series. Mm-hmm. Which he does not die in. No, he does not. Probably not in the U.S. That never w- was as popular over here, but... No. I mean, I don't think... I, I feel like the reputation that Sean Bean always dies really started like obviously there've been plenty of movies where he dies but like the whole the whole you know sort of almost meme like status of Sean Bean always dying started with Lord of the Rings probably i mean i always like the honest trailer joke where they said you know all these people are in mortal danger but only Sean Bean dies uh <laughs> which is apt and then of course game of thrones cemented it right yeah. right <laughs> Man, that was so fun to see the reactions of people on the internet who hadn't read the book. <laughs> well, and I was like, well, it's Sean Bean, so why are you surprised? But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I I have a question about this whole, well, I've, I have several questions, actually. Sure. So we're, we ultimately find out that Sean Bean is up to no good in some way or another that's not really quite explained here. What is his end game in this at this point? Do we know? I don't know that he was up to no good yet at this point. I think he was still actually 
The impression I always got was that, like, he turned after this. But at this well, point, okay. he really was still working, was a loyal agent of the British government. Well, okay, but then why did Arumov shoot him with a blank? Ah, that's... Because he fakes his death here. Which also Does confuses me, because I guess Arumov put one blank in his gun, because then he shoots another guy later, and he kills him, so... Oh, yeah, he does shoot him right in the head. You're right. Yeah, and, you know, we're jumping to the middle of the movie, but when he comes also, back... Also, um, in real life, that, even with a blank, that would still kill you. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> because... Or he'd, he'd at least have he'd at least have permanent deafness and some scarring from the powder burns and all that stuff, but yeah. Yeah, he... there's still powder in a... There's still something yeah. that comes out of the gun, and when it's a couple inches from your face, yeah, that would still... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, hold on. Is that the side of his face that gets burned? No. Of course it's not. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Uh, oh, man. But but then the, the burn thing is another thing that gets me because he gets mad at Bond for changing the timer on him. Mm-hmm. But so, Bond thought he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> To be fair, Bond changed the timer before he thought he was dead, but... He did, he did. Yeah, he changed the timer when he was still on his knees. Yeah. But I, I like the bit here when he hides behind the, the chemical cart. Like, I remember that being a thing in the theater, because all you were hearing mm -hmm. was the squeaky wheels. Mm-hmm. That was a really good sound moment in the theater. Uh, yeah, and you do that in the game, too. Oh, okay. The game also has it like does has has a way to react like if you when you first see meet up with uh, Sean Bean, um, mm -hmm. if you shoot him, he's like, "Oh, the Golden Boy is a traitor, eh?" And then starts <laughs> and then kills you. Oh, <laughs> so that's in case you know the know the story too well. Yes, and realize that he's the bad guy. Okay, <laughs> sorry, we just spoiled Goldeneye for everyone. Uh... <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah. For those tens uh, of people that were watching the movie for the first time while listening to us. Yeah. I actually had this note later on, but it works here too, where one of the things I've never cared for in the Brosnan era of these movies is his habit of using machine guns. Mm -hmm. That That's always rubbed me the wrong way. Like It doesn't feel I very like, Bond. It, it No, it's not. It's just generic action hero stuff that... Because I like Bond being very... He, he, he discriminates about who he's actually going to kill and not a lot mm -hmm. of the times. And that's very Fleming. And I think that, you know, just to give him a machine gun and mow down a whole bunch of nobody Russians kind of is not really in keeping with that. But, you know, that's just me being, having read the books and everything. Um, no, I, I agree with you. It doesn't, because it's not something that Bond did before the Brazen era. Yeah. And it, Craig really hasn't done it much either. Like, you can't, you can't picture roger moore mowing down people with a machine gun no well roger moore hated using his gun period yes he did this whole thing works up until it completely goes off the rails and we leave the physics <laughs> of, of reality here uh, <laughs> if anything that plane should be going falling faster than he is because of the aerodynamics the weight doesn't actually affect it um because no it would they would both hit terminal velocity but the aerodynamics right. like it should actually provide less resistance because it's you know designed to move through the air uh mm -hmm. and it fell first he should not be able to catch up to it no also 
based on how close it is to the ground and how steep of a dive, there is no way he pulled out of that. No, but we had to have the the cliche, like he goes under the ridge and then flies up. uh, Because that's what you do in movies. It's it's kind of a disappointing end to a rather solid beginning of the movie, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, We then, we go into our titles here with a theme song written by Bono and the Edge and sung by Tina Turner that I think is quite good. Yeah. See reflections on the water More than darkness in the depths See him surface and never a shadow On the wind I feel his breath Golden eye, I found his weakness We talked last week about this phenomenon of hiring people to write songs that have nothing to do with the actual film itself, and this is another example of that. I feel like the, uh, th- this Tina Turner song has echoes of uh, Shirley Bassey in it. A bit, yeah. And I think she's, an, she's one of those performers that at some point should have done a Bond theme, I think. You know, I think her voice mm-hmm. lent is the, oh, the yeah. type that you'd like. Again, another modernization thing here with these credits that I remember being thrown by the first time I saw it just because it's so different from what we'd gotten before with a lot of CGI stuff. I feel like this is the one instance where 90s CGI actually works because the Bond theme is always pretty surreal anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is probably my favorite of the Brosnan credits. Because I, I like the... Visual-wise, you know, visual yes. Um, yes. My favorite yeah. song is probably The World Is Not Enough, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm not thinking about the song. Yeah, but yeah, definitely I like the, the song by Garbage a lot. I think that's one of the more over... Or more underrated... What is it? Mm-hmm. Underrated, yeah. <laughs> I think the, that song is one of the more underrated themes. I think is The World Is have. Not Enough in general is underrated, but we'll get to that it in is. a couple weeks. I might bring it up a little bit once, once or twice in this film, too. But... Um, <laughs> I do like the visuals of, you know, taking out all of these Soviet mm-hmm. icons. Because uh, this is the first movie that we've had where it was post the breakup of the Soviet Union. It's also the first movie where they filmed in Russia because they were not mm-hmm. allowed to do that before. Thankfully, or not, we still have the silhouettes of naked women. Or sometimes I mean, more than silhouettes of naked women. Sometimes they're wearing clothes, too. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a standard thing. Yeah. I should have mentioned earlier that this is a film directed by Martin Campbell, who comes back to do Casino Royale uh, in 2006. This is his first go-around. All right, my takeaway from that is that he needs to direct direct more Bond films. He does, yes. Um, (laughs) I like the visual style of this movie a lot, and I like the look of the film a lot. I like this opening setup here with this... (laughs) He's terrifying this woman who's been sent to psychoanalyze him for reasons we yes. don't quite know i also really like that pierce brosnan is driving around in the db5 uh from yeah. goldfinger it's a yep. nice little continuity nod uh mm-hmm. 
even if the license plate is slightly different. Um, yeah. Which is weird. It's like different by one character, so they tried. Um, they tried. <laughs> you think that's something they could check? <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> but I like that, because he also drives it in Tomorrow Never Dies, and there was a scene that was ultimately cut where he drives it in The World Is Not Enough as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was a lot cut in that movie. We'll get to that. Uh, mm-hmm. They should release the director's cut of that one. I wish they would. The whole beginning might make sense. Um, <laughs> again, not you this movie. You don't like exploding ice uh, cubes? Well, no, I mean, that that's fine, but... No, we'll get there when we get there in Fair. a couple weeks. Um, so we meet this woman driving a red Ferrari. Uh, it's we, we don't know who it is yet. It's a very 90s Ferrari. I mean, I'm glad we're out of the 80s and the cars are no longer boxes. Correct. <laughs> now they're all swooshes and swoops. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, Famke Jensen here. Uh, who I don't know if she really... Well, she was in Star Trek, yes. obviously. She was in the X-Men uh, movies. She, was that... But that was after this, I think. Yes. Oh, sorry, I was just um, naming things. Oh, you're just naming in. other things she's been in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I can't... I'm hard-pressed to think of something she was in before this other than that episode of Star Trek, the the Perfect Mate episode. Um, I'm sure she was in plenty... Yeah, but I'm sure she was the, in other stuff, yeah. The things I know her from are the Perfect Mate, GoldenEye, and X-Men. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. I, I, I think she... She works well as Xenia on a top in this movie. No, she does. I like the... I mean, Xenia is over the top, but she's supposed to be. Correct. Uh, even if she's only on the top instead of over the top. <laughs> hey But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it works. Uh, and, of course, Bond would have a cha- champagne refrigerator in his center console. Of course he would. And, uh, I mean, this is his personal car, so it doesn't have the tire slashing gadget stuff it has a champagne chiller right before this and I, i've never tried this but i would think that pulling the parking brake would have caused problems and not just stop the car but maybe i'm wrong you know i've always been tempted to try it but i don't want to like break <laughs> <wouldn't>. my car <laughs> i i wouldn't try it no 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 i'm not going to but it's like it's something that i've always thought about like what happens if i (laughs) (laughs) i mean they call it the emergency brake right it's there in case your other in addition to keeping your car from moving when it's parked it's also there to in case your other brake fails yeah but no i've never tried (laughs) yeah i mean most of them are just like actual mechanical things that hold your wheel in place so Mm -hmm. that's probably not something you want to be doing going at high speed well, um, the newer in newer cars, they're uh, they're not even. It's not even a real uh, handle that doesn't break anymore. It's all electronic. Yeah, which is actually kind of scary. Like I like the idea that that is a comp- that that is like one thing that is completely manual. When that lever is up, the car is not moving. Yeah, right. But oh well. Hey, yeah, uh, we go to the casino because it's a Bond movie. Yeah. Um, and- I actually don't know it. We certainly played Baccarat. I don't know enough to know if it's also sh- if it is Chemin de Fer or not. But it's nice to see no. this again. I'm actually wondering now if this is the last time they play it. It might be. Yeah. He might play it in World is Not Enough. I can't remember now. Well, because he does that weird like, or he might because he. I mean, they're obviously in the casino at, at yeah. several points, but um, I don't know. We'll find out in a couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, I know. Daniel Craig never plays Baccarat. 
that is the one thing, one of the one things that really dates Casino Royale. Oh, the Texas Hold'em? <laughs> Texas Hold'em. Yeah. Because yeah. that was huge for like five years when that movie was made. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I, but I still think that it makes it a more interesting film. I think than <laughs> a couple rounds of Baccarat that would be over really quickly. Uh, yeah. It has also now been too long since I read the book. I no longer remember how it's played. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can tell how much of an impact that book had on me. Like, I remember the story. I remember enjoying it. but I And I also remember, like, oh, that's how it works. But that didn't stick. <laughs> so this is, like, one of the times that Bond actually loses. Yeah. I mean, he only loses one of the hands. But we, f- we find out that Xenia likes her martinis straight up with a twist. Which is it? Straight up or with a twist? I think they're implying that there is a sexual component to her character. I, yes. <laughs> you don't say. I, I do appreciate Bond's reaction when she leaves with that, like, dumpy old admiral guy. Alright, so straight up for Martini is, in fact, no ice in the glass. So you can be straight up with yep. a twist. Okay. Why would you drink a Martini with ice in it? Yeah, is that a thing? That's, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, shake it over ice, yes, but not with ice in the glass. That does not sound like something I want to have. I have never, I have never seen an iced martini. Martini on the rocks? No. I mean, I'm not a fan of martinis in general. Uh, no, I'm not either. Ugh, anyway. So, but, yeah, so she doesn't want ice in her martini. So that's good, no. I guess. Yeah. Bond would have judged her hard if she did. He will. He would have, yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered what this weird, like, theater production is that he just walks through to go spy on them. It must have just been something that was happening and they thought it looked neat. Yeah, I would imagine. So, I would not be me if I didn't point out the Canadian Admiral's rank insignia is wrong. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, I am not that familiar with Canadian. I I learned this from reading reading from the wiki. I uh, did not know this, but <laughs> okay. But um, it's shown with bars and a curl on the cuffs. But mm-hmm. um, there shouldn't be. Basically, there sh- it, in 1995, a Canadian admiral's uniform would have been one solid bar on the cuffs and three maple leaves on the shoulders without wings on the sleeves. Okay. But it does have the wings on the sleeves here, which the Canadians wouldn't put back on the uh, uniform until the 2000s. Oh. So basically, they gave him a British admiral's uniform and called him Canadian. Ah, uh, yeah, I was, I was actually wondering about that because I would imagine, at least at some point, the uniforms were very similar. Yeah. And I'm wondering, if is this similar to the rules about American uh, military uniforms where they have to be not quite screen act, like they can't be quite 100% accurate? Oh, I wonder. That might be. I hadn't considered that. But a- anyway, this Admiral is not long for this world because... No, he is not. Um... I, I, I'm really not sure about how logistically possible it is to basically <laughs> kill someone that way. Yeah. Also, especially if your legs don't aren't like, you know, the size of a normal uh, like each leg isn't the size of a person basically. I mean, if her legs were enormous, 
<laughs> I, I apologize because this is going to sound somewhat rude. Back in uh, The Living Daylights, there was a mm-hmm. bio of a Soviet uh, assassin who yes. used strangulation by le- with legs or thighs. Mm-hmm. She was not a small person. No. Like, I could see her possibly being able to do that. Uh, Famke Johnson have... is not that large of a person. If you have that kind of strength in your legs, your mus- the muscles in those legs yeah. have to be huge. Like, we're talking bodybuilder kind, yeah. kind of legs here. And no, she is not a bodybuilder. No. Also, not that I'm speaking from any kind of experience or anything. I've just read this in places, but... It takes a long time to strangle somebody. Yeah, you totally my don't have any experience with that. No, I don't. That's what someone. Who, <laughs> that's what someone who. That sounds like something that someone who strangles people would say. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I also I, I, not really sure that you can strangle someone around the rib cage. I mean, you could yes. break ribs, puncture you his lungs, break... maybe. You could break ribs, but could you prevent them from breathing? I mean, if you puncture his lungs, maybe. Yeah, but that's it. But he he's acting as if he's being strangled. Yeah, there there's a lot that doesn't make sense there. Yeah, I mean it, it, this is this is not the first nor the last uh, henchman who has been given an odd attribute that was more fun on paper than in real life. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of my favorite moments, and it's peak Pierce Brosnan era Bond, is when he breaks into the yacht. And then he beats up the guy, and then he dabs his face with a towel. Yes, like like that is Pierce. That is Pierce Brosnan and Braun right there. Mm-hmm. He just <laughs> like, and I, I always wonder, like, did he just come up with that? Was that you know? Because that's the kind of little things that he does all the time. Also, that jacket, like, wow, that jacket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a look. Uh, that yeah, it's not necessarily yeah. a good one, but it is a look. <laughs> yeah, we have railed many times about Bond wearing double-breasted jackets. Uh, I mean, here he is going around with it unbuttoned. Yeah, if but... you're going to wear the double-breasted, <laughs> you don't wear it unbuttoned. Yeah, yeah. Own, own the double-breasted jacket and button it. I I think Roger Moore pulled it off. I don't think Pierce Brosnan pulls it off with it unbuttoned. He probably could have if it was closed. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, then, like, it's just a helicopter demonstration for military brass from all over the world. I mean, that could be very common. I'm not sure. That sort of thing. It could be. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate, like, the ballsiness of just taking off and flying away with it, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how they're going to steal it. They just leave. I mean, I don't know who these people are that are flying the thing, but or were going to fly it that she shoots. But, uh, and I guess we find out that Orumov is the other guy that's with her. Yeah, and then we cut to sled dogs. Yeah. Because we're in Siberia. And, alright, so the way the computers work, just... Mm. Anyway, I, I, I feel a lot of times movies have no idea how computers actually work. Yeah, I was going to say, to be fair, pretty much every movie made in this era had very interesting ways of that they thought computers worked. Yes. Um... My my favorite still being in the first Mission Impossible movie when he sends email and you have that animated like envelope that goes and closes up the me- the letter and then it flies away. Yeah, and have you seen what the address is on that one? It's re- the yeah. email address he sends it to. Yes, <laughs> that's not how email I don't, works. Uh, 
I don't remember what it is, but it's something insane. Like, it's just, like, name or something. Well, it's, like, Job 3 colon 14 at max.com or something stupid like that, or... Yeah, it's max at... Or job, job at job.com. Job 3 yeah. 14. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not how email works. Last time I checked, a colon is not something you can use in an email address. Well, no, or because everything after the at is part of the... It, you can't use yeah, a colon it, anyway. But, right. or, but no, like no. everything after the at is a domain name. And that's right. not a domain name. If it was Job3.14, that still wouldn't have worked, because .14 no. isn't a legitimate domain, but it would have been better. Right. Uh, just to keep dumping on the computers in this movie, we get... <laughs> Be- be- because we have a checkoff in every movie, we get checkoff's password hygiene here. Mm-hmm. Where, back when chair was an acceptable password <laughs> for something. <laughs> yes, and knockers. And yeah, <laughs> I mean at least that's long. Don't yeah, have a five-letter okay. password. All right, I'm just gonna go. Like, I asked. I actually put this in my notes to ask you for later, but like. Did IP addresses work differently or something? Because why would it trace, like, across the planet to find where the computer is? It would go to different hops on the... No, you. that is how you would trace an IP. You would, If you did a trace route, it would show you all the different hops and where they are. So that actually okay. is... Oh, is it? Okay. It, okay. It's weird that it's done in a visual map like that instead of just showing you the addresses uh, yeah but yes well, that's, that that's part for is... our benefit more than anything else also the map is outdated because it shows czechoslovakia which didn't exist in 1995 czechoslovakia <laughs> yes <laughs> yes czechoslovakia did not exist in 1995 <laughs> no. it was at that point it was the czech republic in slovakia which is now apparently czechia instead of the czech republic Oh, it's Czechia now? I didn't know that. Both names are correct, but, like, the Czechs actually say Czechia. Sort of like how, like, everybody's country has a long name, but nobody says the French Republic. They say France. And the the, the, the idea that it, like, completely freezes up the... M- when he's talking... What he's talking about with the spi- with the spike. Spike them! Yeah, it's complete nonsense. Yeah, it jams their modem so they can't hang up. No, that is not a yeah, thing. You- no. You can always <laughs> hang up on your end. Also, I know it was the 90s, but the FBI wasn't using dial-up. <laughs> no. There was, what, Usenet or something, right? I mean, or well, some I mean, government equivalent. It would have been like an ISDN liner, but yeah, it would not yeah. have been dial- It wouldn't have been a dial-up modem. <laughs> yeah. Here. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Bang! Gone! I am invincible! We, we get to see a demonstration of the most convoluted system I've ever seen. With the, the way you, like, get the keys and you get, like, the weird, like, crystal thing and... I don't know. I also am not sure how realistic it is that the helicopter would blow out a Zippo lighter. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's, like, one of the big points of the Zippo. Like, they advertise them as windproof. I... Mm-hmm. don't actually think that would happen yeah i i yeah i so i remember in the theater the moment of of Zenya very much enjoying firing the machine gun being a very big laugh moment among the audience i don't 
care for it too much anymore, but I think at the time it was considered rather amusing. I mean, I don't hate that point of her personality. It's like, yeah. it makes her a slightly interesting henchman is, all right, yeah. she really likes killing people. She, like, really likes killing she, people. She gets off on violence, yeah. I mean, it, it okay. I mean, it's a standard thing of, if you want to show that a bad guy's ba- a bad person is bad, make them, you know, some sort of sh- sexual deviant, and there you go. Well, that's a problem. Uh, that is a problem, yes. But in and of itself, it's alright. It, it works okay. Yeah. I mean, my favorite one is later when they're on the train, and she's like, he's going to derail us. And the look on her face, like, <laughs> she's looking forward to this moment that's about to happen, I think works really well. She she sells a lot of the stuff, I think. Yeah, I think it, I think she yeah. will. Like I said, I, I I enjoy her character. I like her better than Oromoth. Oromoth's just he's boring. Yeah, he doesn't even have like a weird cadence like the last boring mission no. we had. Well, no one could be Stephen Burkoff. <laughs> St- Stephen Burkoff is in his own is on his own planet in that movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so they steal they they steal the key for gold for the device and they fire it at the research station. And mm-hmm. all right, we don't fully know what Goldeneye is yet when watching the movie, but we quickly find out an EMP would not cause electric electronic devices to explode. No, it wouldn't. They just stop working. It would cause them to stop functioning. That's fine. But we see two of the airplanes explode in midair. Uh, mm-hmm. We see multiple explosions at the computers in the facility. None of that should have happened. Right. That's boring. I mean, when the MiG crashed into the facility, obviously that would cause some damage. But the other explosions shouldn't have happened. No, 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 you're right. But we are we are now at MI6 in a very 90s office. I was going to say, this is like the most 90s set ever. With, mm-hmm. like, the, the gray carpet on the walls. Mm-hmm. We gave Carolyn Bliss a lot of grief, I think. For her turn as Money Penny, I like Samantha Bond in this movie a lot. Yeah, I think she's very good. She she calls out Bond's sexual harassment at one point, which I think is great. It's a shame they didn't continue in this direction with her. And then she and then she gives as good as she got she can get. Yeah, as she gets to in response. It's yeah, it works yep. really well in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, Michael Kitchen's character, whose name I've forgotten, but he's in all four uh, Brosnan movies, I think. Mm-hmm. I. Th- I think you're right. Michael Kitchen, uh, the only other place I know him from is a British uh, murder mystery show set during World War II called Foil's War. Oh, uh, yeah, but, yeah. But he's a good actor, and I enjoy his recurring role in this movie. In these I movies. think his name is Tanner. That sounds right. I think, he's, I think he's the same guy that um, Rory Kinnear plays. Oh, oh, yeah, I think you're right. It would have been funnier if they, if they had brought Michael Kitchen back for the Daniel Craig movies, too. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he and he and judy dench are yeah. the only holdovers as always i mean judy dench has never done a bad performance in anything that she has ever been in i i haven't we were talking about this offline before we started recording um apparently she's in cats but I mean, maybe she's the best thing about cats there's best thing nothing in cats in the, okay at that point i don't know for <laughs> when you get past the fact that Cats itself is an insane collection of weird cat vignettes and, like, basically a psychedelic experience, none of the actors did a bad job in that movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it was a little weird to see Ian McKellen li- licking out of a bowl of milk, but, you know... 
What are you going to do? <laughs> I think they do a good job of setting up things like, you know, they steal the helicopter, which seems kind of random. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out it's so they can fly away while all this shit's happening or all this stuff is going on, you know, because of the, the EMP. But why couldn't they have just flown away after and, like, had it hit after they had flown away? Well, they left a while ago, too. I don't know how long Natalia was hiding in the cabinet. Also, we should talk about that. That was a nice little fake-out that Natalia did there by losing, by taking the screws off the vent and then hiding in the cabinet. That was good. Yeah. That 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 was some mm-hmm. good quick thinking, I think. Yeah. I like her in this movie. I think this whole section of the movie is... I, I remember when I was seeing this in the theater, and it's always bugged me a little bit about this movie, and it's sort of a goldfinger kind of problem in a way where bond is very passive in this movie it feels to me and he's he's around but he doesn't do a lot up until the very end you know he's mm-hmm. he's watching all this stuff at severnaya happen on the screen um he happens to be around when they steal the helicopter but he's kind of unable to do anything about it mm-hmm. and and then you know starting with uh you know, him getting sent off on his mission, he's only there at the end because he keeps getting captured and led around. Yep. Uh, And that's always been something that kind of rubs me a little bit the wrong way, and it's the only time, really, that it happens to Brosnan. He's much more... uh, He drives the story a lot more Mm -hmm. in later films. But it's just something that always... That really struck me this time out, where, you know, we kind of made fun of Bond not being very good at his job in Goldfinger because... You know, the only reason he's able to stop Goldfinger's plot is because Goldfinger happens to drag him around and takes him there. Trevelyan doesn't take him to the satellite dish. Like, the middle act of this movie is Bond being captured by various people and led somewhere. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that, but I kind of would have liked to see him doing more proactively. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a fair point. He doesn't do all that much, no. I don't know. I feel like I get invested in the story, so it, it still works for me. Uh, in the same way it did for Goldfinger. Oh, and I'm not saying Goldfinger's a bad movie by any means. It's a great one. And I feel like in this one, we definitely see a lot of stuff that's not shown from Bond's point of view, which is a bit of a departure from some of the other movies. Yeah, the first the first time I saw this movie, I felt that, and I and I think it was just I was misinterpreting, or I I had a I was wrong actually, just in my in my first viewing of it, where. It felt to me that Bond was absent from the entire movie for a long period of time. And he's really not. No, they cut back to him a lot. They cut back to him a lot, but the main plot is not happening yeah. around him. He's just kind of observing. And, like, we, we see what happens at Severnaya, even though he's not there. And, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about it. We, we definitely have more of, to, to, to make a literary comparison, we definitely seem to have more of the omniscient narrator going on here whereas a lot of the times previously it's always been Mm -hmm. largely from bond's perspective if not entirely like we you know i hate to go back to octopussy but you know we find out this plot between kamal khan and orloff because he has a bug in the egg and he's listening so he's not in the room but he can hear what they're saying whereas you know we don't he he's not around for any of the severnaya stuff we just happen to to be there and and maybe it's a it's a function of a a more modern story where we have we're trying to set up uh natalia to be a more prominent character so we're going to switch points of view between the two of them because it's really stuff from her point of view and stuff from bonds which is fine i think that that helps and it gives her more to do yeah it gives her a lot more agency than some of the 
female leads in Bond films. Right. So I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot too. But maybe that could be where this is coming from, is that it's not entirely Bond's point of view as it had been previously. Yeah. Judy Dench is so young in this scene. <laughs> I know. Like, I think of Judy Dench as sort of ageless, but then I'm actually look at this movie from the mid-90s, and like, wow. Mm-hmm. It's like this was 25 years ago or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love when she calls him a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. Yes, that's amazing. I think that's such a great line. That's that's such a self-aware line that they wrote into this. Mm-hmm. You don't like me, Bond. You don't like my methods. You think I'm an accountant. A bean counter more interested in my numbers and your instincts. The thought had occurred to me. Good. Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. A relic of the Cold War. Whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Because this might be the only... And, you know, I'll find out when we watch them, because I haven't... I certainly haven't seen Tomorrow Never Dies in a while. This feels like the only movie that wasn't written as a just a bunch of one-liners strung together. Because certainly Die Another Day, to me, feels like a whole bunch of one-liners that they just strung together and didn't really write a script. Because I think they... And it, it, it always felt to me that one of my the things I disliked about the Brazen era was that it became way too quippy for me. And maybe that's, again, the style of that was... In the... I love the one-liners, though. Uh, they're fine. Like... In this one, I really enjoyed No More Foreplay, for instance. Uh-huh. That, yeah, that's a good one. And when he was terrifying his psychoanalyst in the beginning, and she's like, I love a fast ride as much as the next girl, and then the car pulls up next to him, and, he's like, and she's like, who's that? He's like, the next girl? <laughs> that was also good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I, You can never have too many one-liners for me. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, um, I think Moore, or Brosnan and Moore were the ones that really delivered the one-liners just so well. Yes. Like, I don't think Timothy Dalton, other than Salt Corrosion, which still felt more like a Moore line than a Timothy Dalton line, uh, <laughs> yes. yeah. I don't think yeah. Dalton had very many good ones. No, but I mean, he, it, it goes with the tone. Like, his movies were very, were much more serious mm-hmm. than, like, Brosnan and Moore were definitely the lighter, or the most lighthearted of of the portrayals although i feel like that's more for brosnan in the later movies this movie is not all that lighthearted. no it's not i mean aside from the fact you have joe don baker showing up with a muffy tattoo and stuff like yeah, that. yeah but... why why <laughs> <laughs> yeah why why did we have to give joe don baker something to do not a fan no not a fan however i love robbie coltrane in this movie robbie coltrane is great uh, I mean, he's good yeah. in most everything. Um, it was funny. Um, I actually watched this movie a month or so ago when I was on vacation uh, with uh, with some friends. And when Robbie Coltrane shows up, like one of my friends was like, "Who is this guy? I know I've seen him. Like, you, you, it's Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> you probably know him better as Hagrid." It's like, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think he's he's good in this, and then he comes back, and the world is not enough. Yeah, and he's good in that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I mostly knew him as character Cracker. I don't know if you ever saw that British show. No, I'm not familiar. He's the star of that one. It, it's it's a good show. Okay, um, that's m- mainly where I knew him from prior to this. I don't think I knew him at all before this. Unfortunately, we jumped over the Q scene. Oh yes, which again we have the gadgets that why do they exist? Like the telephone booth that if, that like but- <laughs> has the yeah. airbag in it. Yeah, I like, this is when they're just 
being silly and having fun, like, they're having a conversation and then the guy just randomly goes flying backwards from his desk. Yes. For no reason. I guess the rocket launcher in your cat in a leg cast could be practical? I, I don't know. I like when Bond... I, I do like when Bond says the pen is mightier than the sword and he's like, thanks to me, it is. Yeah. And then the right Don't say the writing's on the wall. The writing's on the wall. Along with the rest of <laughs> Yes. And some of them. Yeah. And the don't touch that, that's my lunch is a nice gag too, but why would an unwrapped sub be sitting on his desk? I don't know. <laughs> it's gonna get all... Like, the bread's gonna get all hard and stale. <laughs> Poor Fred. So, then Bond does fly to Russia, and he meets Joe Don Baker. Yes. And sh he shows him the Muffy tattoo. And so when he says... Bond, do you do any gardening? That's apparently a reference to the fact that Ian Fleming named Bond after a gardener. Really? Yes. I never knew what that was about. Neither did I. It, it was just the weirdest line that made no sense. And that's apparently why. At, at one point, I'd convinced myself that he was asking about, like, getting his tattoo removed. <laughs> Which obviously makes no sense either. Yeah. I, I kind of like the stiff-ass Brit stuff a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, where he's like... You know, these stupid passwords are dumb. Like, why, why waste our time doing it? But yeah, I guess Joe Don Baker was so well-liked in this movie, they brought him back. I guess he's the Sheriff Pepper of uh, the Brosnan. Uh, he's, he's much better than Sheriff Pepper, though. I mean, yes, but they didn't need to bring him back. Uh, no. So then Natalia goes to a IBM store. Uh, yep. With the express plan to get on a computer so she can contact Boris. But mm -hmm. she, you know... Plays the part well, reads off specifications to the guy. One of the specifications is that they must be IBM compatible. It's an IBM store! <laughs> <laughs> you have to remember, like, this is back when... IBM compatible was still IBM a thing. IBM compatible yes. was the terminology for PC. Yeah, but I like doubt... You had IBM compatible and you had Mac. Yes, but... Or Apple's. IBM, but... Well, you also had Amigas and other things that weren't compatible with anything oh, else. Oh, and you had Sun, you had the Sun ones. and There was yeah. even an Atari it's, one. I forget yeah. what it was called. Uh, but, yes. Yeah, yeah, right. My, my point is that IBM didn't call their computers IBM compatible. <laughs> no, no, that's true. <laughs> and it's weird to go into an IBM store and ask for, yeah. Also, 14.4 modem. Oh, boy. So, I'm intrigued by the fact that Boris's email address is madvlad at masu.comp.math.edu. <laughs> it's M-O-S-U. But yes... <laughs> M-O-S-U, yeah, M-O-S-U.comp.math.edu, which, to be fair, is a perfectly reasonable that is email a, address. I don't think math.edu is a real <laughs> domain, though. No, but still, like, that follows... Yes, that is, in fact... Job314. Okay. So math.edu <laughs> does take me to a website, but it's not, like, a real website. <laughs> I feel like Andrew Yang would have bought that by now. I'm also intrigued, and I don't know if this was even something that existed then, this SMS chat thing they have going on with avatars. Yeah, certainly not through email um, address. I mean, there was bulletin board, there were bulletin boards at the time. I mean, and I'm willing to let this go just because it 
speeds the... I don't need to see them sending emails back and forth. Chat programs... In 95, chat programs did exist. Uh, and chat websites, like chat rooms, internet chat rooms were all the rage in the 90s. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. But just the way this is This is set up a working. little differently, yes. I do really appreciate, though, that they made a point to talk about the internet being not a new thing, but it wasn't something that was readily available if you were just, you know, like somebody who escaped Severnaya mm-hmm. and were wandering the streets. You had to figure out a way of getting on. Yeah. Um, and there would have been internet cafes, too, at the time. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you couldn't just, like, ask someone to borrow their phone or something. Right, exactly. How many of these movies would have been solved if they had cell phones? <laughs> In 95, cell phones existed, but not internet cell phones. Yeah, they... No, no, I know they did, but... Yeah, this is when Robbie Coltrane shows mm-hmm. up. And uh, Mini Driver <laughs> does her little cameo. Yes. So... Which is interesting. Why <laughs> does... Why is the rear view mirror in Joe Don Baker's car rusting? <laughs> uh, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> Because, like, I can understand, like, if there's rust on the body body of the car. (laughs) But, like, how does a rearview mirror start to rust? I don't know. I I do actually laugh at the gag, and I think it's well set up when he's tinkering with the car, and he's, like, tapping the the screwdriver with the sledgehammer, and then he just falls off and whacks it, and that's what starts the car. I think that Mm -hmm. was kind of cute. Percussive maintenance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Robbie Coltrane is great. I like yeah. how he's intru- how he introduces uh, like Mon has the gun to him. He's like, "I only know th- three men that use that gun, and I've killed two of them." It's pretty good. <laughs> yep, I like this dynamic with these goons, mm-hmm. where he had, he's like he asks a question of the one of the guys, and he starts to answer. He's like, "Silence!" Yeah, <laughs> I just. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah, who's strangling the cat? Strangling a cat. Is it good? <laughs> and then he just shoots the couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no I, I love his character. And I am glad that he does return. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sad they killed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the, the, when he's... Bond's telling him about the helicopter, and he's like, I have six, and Bond says, three, none that fly. <laughs> yeah. So then, Bond goes to a bathhouse? Yeah, this is weird. He's in the middle of this top secret, you know, investigation, and he just decides to go swimming in a bathhouse. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I feel like this this is another example, I think, of the location writing the script. Yeah. Which is fine. You get that little fight scene. Yeah. It's pretty good. He's like, and she says, you don't need a gun. And he says, that depends on your definition of safe sex. I'm like, yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. That feels like a very 90s line, too. Yes. Well, safe sex is a 90s phrase. Yeah, exactly, right. Yep. Um, I think this might be the first time we get the the famous Pierce Brosnan pain face, mm-hmm. which we will see many times. Mm-hmm. And then we have no more foreplay. Yep. And now we're in a dumping ground for Soviet statues. Yeah. It's This is what happened to all the ones from the, from the opening credits. They ended up here. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And surprise, surprise, Sean Bean is not dead. And you're right. Scar is on the other side of his face from the one he got shot in. Yep. Like, none mm-hmm. of this makes sense. <laughs> well, the I mean, the implication is the scar is from the timers being set right, to three minutes. Right, but he should have a scar from being he shot. Would, he should. Yeah. 
Oh, well. And you'd think he'd have a little bit more scarring than that if he was there when the time went out. Anyway. So the story that um, Robbie Coltrane's character told about the Lance Cossacks is real. That did actually happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Rather unfortunate bit of British history, I would say. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's hard to, like, really... St- <sighs> like... I mean, they were helping the Nazis at one point, but still. Sure, like, but still. Turned them over to Stalin? Yeah, that was... Yeah. Well, Stalin's argument was that they were Soviet citizens because they were originally from... But a lot of them had left before the Soviet Union existed, so... Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, there's a whole bunch wrong with that. But, yes, it did actually happen. And you can actually understand the rationale for... it. For them actually fighting with the Nazis against the the Soviets too, it's sort of like how the yeah sure. sort of like how Finland was technically an Axis country in World War Two, right? But yeah, uh, that that story is, and we find out that yes, uh, Trevelyan is actually Yenis, and he's has an evil plan to do evil. He has an evil plan to do evil that isn't. I find probably the most underwhelming part of this movie. His plan won't work either. I will point that out later. Um, okay. <laughs> so then Bond is knocked out, and he wakes up in the helicopter that's about to shoot missiles at itself. Th- this might be just peak freaking overthinking kill how him. to kill Bond. Oh here. my god! <laughs> Every single movie. <laughs> Just put a bullet in his head, right? Yeah, but like, I mean, this is this is what I'm talking about, though. When I'm when I'm saying like how he go, he's captured because he's captured by Giannis or Trevelyan or whatever we want to call him. He manages to escape and then is immediately captured by the Russians and then hauled off. The shot of the of them taking off always reminds me of Die Hard Two. Oh yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with John McClane in the ejector seat. Uh-huh, yeah. But yeah, they narrowly escaped, I don't of course, think... uh, from so, being blown up. We talked about parachute heights recently in another movie, I'm pretty sure. It was just last week. Mm-hmm. Or no, two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't think right. it ejected high enough for the parachutes to actually, you know, do their thing. I think it would have still plummeted to Earth pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it would have reached terminal velocity. No. But... But it... It would have come down pretty hard, pretty jarring. Yeah. Oh, I have a moment later when it's like, yeah, they they didn't survive. <laughs> um, but now they get captured by other Russians. They're hi- yeah. These are like actual, legit Russian government Russians. And I made a note of this because I think this. I seem to remember you pointing this out with Hugo Drax. Um, Michigan's beard is very interesting. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Hugo Drax's beard. Yeah. I'm gonna shave off my sideburns, which I think is not a great look, but. Anyway. If you're going to shave off your sideburns, then you can't have it stick out that far to the sides of the <laughs> goatee. Like, it's either goatee yeah. or full beard, but not, like, some sort of unholy combination of the two. He just looks Russian, I guess. And I the complete lack of hair between the soul patch and the bottom of the beard also doesn't work. <laughs> and I realize that's just how some people's faces grow hair, but... Right. Com- combining that with the weird fat goatee, it's it's odd. But it doesn't matter. He's about to die. He's going to die because Oromov is going to come in and shoot him. Man, Oromov definitely gets progressively sweatier as this movie goes on. He really, yeah. <laughs> he, he spends 
much of this movie, latter half of the movie, in a very sweaty state. Yeah, you're right. And we have a shootout in the in the archives here. Again, more Bond with machine guns, but that's whatever. And Natalia gets captured right after Bond tells her to trust him. Right. So that, that went <laughs> that well. That worked out well for her, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, Q did warn him about trying to have multiple people swinging from that belt, so... That's true. And then we have the pretty memorable scene of Bond chasing the car in a tank. Mm-hmm. And the tank does some things that I don't think tanks can do. Like, it <laughs> turns some pretty sharp turns. Yeah. I don't think tanks corner quite that well. No, like, the one where he, like, fishtails around a corner. Yeah. I don't think you can do that in a tank. Yeah, I don't think tanks do that, no. <laughs> I enjoy when it has the horse stuck on it. That, and then it and then it yeah, falls in the cars that are chasing him. That's good. That's a cute gag. We find out that the movie is sponsored by Perrier. <laughs> I wonder what the soldiers that are shooting their Kalashnikovs at the tank think they're going to accomplish. I uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are moments when Bond's head sticking up out of the tank, so maybe they think they're going to shoot him. I think he probably knows better than to stick his head up while their people are shooting at him. But you know, you would think. I mean, he does hang out down inside the tank at times we we also get another patented uh brosnan move here when he adjusts his tie yes that is a very brosnan move it's not quite as good as the time he does it underwater in the world is not enough <laughs> um but yeah and bond follows them and they get on a darth vader train yeah the, the front looks I like a point out helmet. oh yeah it kind of does um only because we both pointed out the Oromoff line where he says, use the bumper, that's what it's for. That's not what and it's they for! they start running over people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> he, he's turned to drinking by this point, too. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, you know, he knows that uh, Yanis is going to be really mad for him letting Bond escape. Yeah. Again. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, he brings Natalia on the train, and yes, Yanis is not happy. So, this train car, like, I guess Trevelyan had it redecorated after he took the train, because that certainly is not a Soviet. Wouldn't The Soviet design would not be that ornate and gaudy. No. I don't know what design you would call this. Yeah, it almost looks like Victorian. Right. And I, I can't imagine the Soviets would have put a Victorian dining room on their missile trains. No. There's so much tapestry going on here. <laughs> yeah. It, it can't be easy to wallpaper a train car. No, I wouldn't think so. I mean, they go into the other... They, they go into the other the other car. That looks like a Soviet train. Yeah. With all the equipment. So. Yeah, so... How does Bond get ahead of the train in the tank? Perhaps there's a more direct road? Maybe. But it would have to be really direct, because he's really far ahead, and the tank doesn't exactly move quickly. No. Yeah, I don't know. By the power of plot... Mm-hmm. Warp speed is the <laughs> speed dictated by the plot. Yeah, the, the the tank derailing the train works well. I mean, it literally works well. Yep. It derailed the train. Mm-hmm. They do, yep. And... Bond does a really bad job here oh, yeah. when he gets on the train, though. Very bad. Because he gets completely... Yeah, he just basically gets... The... He hoped to get the drop on Trevelyan, but really he gets the drop on... Trevelyan gets the drop on him because he knows... He, he knew he was coming, obviously. I mean, yeah. yeah, this didn't work very well. 
I like the I leave you I give you the same six minutes you gave me. That was a nice line. Right. He's like, what does that mean? You have three minutes. <laughs> Alright, so how is this train connected to the internet? Uh satellite of some kind. I mean, because they show Boris when he's messaging her, I think he's on the train. Mm, okay. But Alright, so, why is Boris all of a sudden backing up his data from the train? Shouldn't that have already happened, I think? <laughs> that sure was coincidental. Yeah. Yep, and we get the we get the map again. Which, yes, that is in fact how you mm-hmm. would... Tra- if you do it... Because you can do a trace route, even today, if you open a command prompt or terminal window and type trace RT space and then either a domain name or, or an IP address, it will show you all the hops between... All the server hops between you and that device. Okay. So, yeah, I, that I did not know. Yeah, so that part is legitimate. The whole, you know, freeze their modem so it can't hang up, that's not. <laughs> no, to the point where he... And again, like, he's pulling these boards out that are sending sparks everywhere. Um, yeah. I don't know, maybe that would happen. But it could, it. theoretically, yeah. but you shouldn't have that kind of voltage in a computer to begin with. Also, he could just, if it is connected via phone line, just unplug the phone cord. Right, yeah. Or pick up the handle. I mean, I've been, I was disconnected so many times because my parents downstairs picked up the phone. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I I really, another amusing self-awareness line that I appreciate is, and it comes up a couple times, where she comments about, like, do you destroy every movie, moving vehicle you get into? Yeah. And he's like, standard operating procedure. Yeah, and at the very end, she's like, I'm not getting on a helicopter with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, right away, they're driving around in the BMW, which I always thought was unfortunate that it only had a very token appearance in the movie. You never got to do anything with it. Um, I mean, I'm like, not super thrilled with the fact that the Brazen era, he just drives BMWs in general. But yeah. No, I'm not either. I'm No, I don't. I don't care for that at all actually well it it seems the you know british secret agent should probably drive a british car you know right thought could you imagine could you imagine a movie at about an american spy that would drive a foreign car like a an american agent or someone who's you know fighting for america that wouldn't drive an american car i don't know it depends on the american car <laughs> But I don't see a CIA, secret CIA agent bombing around in a Ford Focus, but... Uh. Yeah, I don't know. It it just feels wrong for Bond to be driving a BMW, because... It always... Yeah, it always seemed weird. I mean, it's not the first time he's driven a foreign car, cause, but it's... Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh. It's a thing, and it's going to be a thing for a while. Yeah, and I do like when he says, don't touch any of the dials. He's like, I'm just going to go dr- bombing around. I mean, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, before they leave for cuba they get to have a moody scene on the beach for some reason right which seems very out of place yes. especially where bond is still wearing the same clothes he was wearing before but natalia's wearing a swimsuit now well it's nice of her to find us to pack a swimsuit from severnaya i guess yeah she hasn't been home yeah it's a little odd also the fact that yeah like the scene where she walks up to him and then the camera just like freezes on her crotch for a few seconds yeah that's really awkward like why is that there <laughs> Well, it's it's better than the boob cam, I guess. <laughs> better than that guy from from your eyes only. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, I still, I, I don't get why they all of a sudden decided to have Bond be moody. Yeah, it's a little weird. And then we, of course, have like this, this, this is like 
Daniel Craig Bond. Yes. And then we, of course, it of course turns into a sex scene because it's Bond. Of course it does. All right. So now we're in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not really in Cuba, but we're in Cuba. And... Right. So the uh, satellite is actually... It's a real research facility. It's in uh, Puerto Rico. It's the uh, Arecibo Observatory. Yeah, right. Which I seem to remember being in... I don't know if it was like a 321 Contact or one of those TV shows for kids. Because I remember them showing off this satellite dish. Mm. Um, so I, it's one of those things like, I've seen this before. Um moments well also if you've seen the movie contact it's used in that as well yes yes but that came out after this movie yes it did can you launch a surfaced air missile through water maybe i guess you can from a submarine why did they though like if they hadn't you would never have known there was anything there was although bond should know better because you know we established this is the same james bond so he should remember uh you only live twice. Yeah, secret volcano lair. <laughs> well, yeah, the secret yeah. lair under the lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this movie before. Right. But yeah, they, they didn't know until it fired a missile. <laughs> that was yeah. Right. That was dumb. And and this is the moment. There's no way to survive this plane crash. No. <laughs> I do kind of like how he passes out though, and then wakes up to see the helicopter. Yeah, I like the. The way they filmed this, mm-hmm. I think it's good. All right. So then when... Okay. I don't buy <laughs> the physics of Xenia's... Xenia, Xenia. I'm not sure. Is it Xenia or Xenia? I think it's Xenia. I don't buy the physics of Xenia's death. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she doesn't look like she's being pulled very hard into that tree, for one thing. And also, like, if it was pulling her that hard, she would have gone up and, and through. Yeah, I I really think that this is an idea that ran up against stuff they could do in a PG-13 movie. Yeah. Because I feel like in real life, she would have been dismembered mm-hmm. or something. Or some other horrific thing would have happened to her. Whereas here, we just you know get her pinned up against the tree. Yeah, it doesn't really look like anything that should be killing her. No. Plus, I've never liked the she always did enjoy a good squeeze line. <laughs> I thought that was... it. For me, it's the way, like... And he does this a lot where he's looking... He's, like, looking at it and then he, like, cocks his head and delivers the funny line. Mm-hmm. Like, he just telegraphs that a quip is coming. And it kind of, you know, it just... It never landed for me. No, that's fair. We get some very obviously reversed footage here of them draining the <laughs> lake. Because last time I checked... Water going down a drain doesn't splash up into the air like that. It could, but yes, in general, no. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some footage of water going down, uh, but some of it is... Yeah. But it's only when you get the close-up of the sidewalls that it's actually going down. Right. We find out that Trevelyan has his standard-issue Bond villain army here. I don't know where they came from, but they're here. Yep. And this is when we find out he's going to be shooting the laser at London. Mm-hmm. Because he's stealing money. So, here's my thing. Okay. (laughs) He's going to be stealing money electronically from banks in London right before wiping out the electricity in those banks and erasing all electronic financial records. Wouldn't that also include any record that he has this money? I guess only if his the bank he's transferring it to is also in London, because if his bank is in, say, New York... Wouldn't the bank record in New York 
register a deposit from that. And that wouldn't look suspicious at all. Well, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I'm just not sure that this plan would work. <laughs> no, and, and to be fair, to be honest, like, the fact that they went to all this trouble to steal this satellite and do all this stuff just to steal money, I thought was fairly disappointing. Yeah. I mean, and Bond even calls them out for it. Interesting setup, Alec. You break into the Bank of England via computer, then transfer the money electronically. Just seconds before you set off the golden eye, which erases any record of the transactions. Ingenious. Thank you, James. But it still boils down to petty theft. In the end, you're just a bank robber. Nothing more than a common thief. So I, I like that Bond is aware that this is a less than... We're not saving the world this this time out yeah well i feel like in a couple movies that's really basically what it is is they're 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 really just out the, the villain isn't necessarily destroying the world i like how bond sets the explosive and then he disarms it but we still get the we still get a chance to have the wholesale destruction because of the broken fuel tanks that no one notices yeah that's a lot of fuel like it's literally pouring down onto the first floor and people are just walking past it like it's not a problem yeah and the the the, the thing with boris where bond is like uh oh he's gonna click the button and then he always clicks it four times and it's okay <laughs> that's good too mm -hmm. yep and i appreciate the so like natalia has gone off to do stuff at the terminal mm -hmm. and and she's able to finish whatever she's doing and you know, they bring her in, and Boris is basically talking down to her in a way. And he's she was in the mainframe. Check the computer. She's a moron. A second-level programmer. She works on the guidance system. She doesn't even have access to the firing codes. Retro rockets firing. And then it turns out, like, she's causing the rocket to re-enter. Mm-hmm. Like he hadn't, he didn't, it didn't even occur to him that that was something that she could have done. Yeah. Like he's, he's only thinking of, you know, fire, the firing of the weapon and stuff. So I, I like mm -hmm. the fact that she outsmarts him or he's dismissive of exactly what she's trying to do. Yeah. But, uh, because Boris might be able to stop it, Bond heads out to the actual satellite to disable it. Yep. Or not satellite, the dish. <laughs> and yep. yeah, Javelian follows him and we have a okay fight scene with them. Yeah, it's fine. I, I like some of the bits where, you know, it, it feels a little more realistic in that they're just kind of wailing at each other. They're picking up random things and tossing them and not necessarily doing anything. But it is just disabling the radio from moving to the position they need it to, so that works. Yeah, he does shove that thing in the chain. Which makes it explode somehow? Yeah, I... yeah. <laughs> Always explosions with this, well, this with is... James Bond. Just... Well, in 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 all the bra in all the Brazen era, you have to blow every the blow up everything basically by the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, you had notated this, uh, and I agree about uh, mm -hmm. Tre Trevelyan falls, which that's a good scene. Yeah, but then he survives mm -hmm. and has the fiery radio crash on him, which was unnecessary. Yeah, I I don't need that. But I do like. I don't I don't even necessarily need to see him land. No, I do like when Boris survives the initial explosion and stands up and it's like i am invincible <laughs> because we had seen that earlier when he had stopped the yeah. uh, fbi and the right liquid nitrogen <laughs> explodes and kills him i'm not sure how yeah. realistic that is either <laughs> yeah um, i don't think it is like i don't think that would actually have killed him i think he probably would have gotten burned but i i don't think it would have like 
Flash frozen him. No, he, he would have had to have been submerged, yeah. I think, for that to happen. Because, like, if you spill liquid nitrogen on your hand, it might burn you, but it's it's mostly going to sublimate mm-hmm. or evaporate so fast yeah. that, you know, it doesn't really... It, it's not it's not on your hand at a temperature that's cold enough to really do much damage for very long. Right. But it works. Uh, it's a good, it's a good yeah. scene. And then we have Bond and Natalia making out in an apparently empty field. And then Jodon Baker just walks in. And all of these Marines stand up. And boy, it sure is lo- lucky that they didn't walk on any of them. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> also, I have to point out that the face that Natalia makes when Jodon Baker shows up is exactly the face that I make when Jodon Baker shows up. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of Marines. Yeah. And a lot of helicopters. And, like, I feel like yeah. this would be an international incident. In Cuba? Yeah. Yeah. Why are there so many American Marines in Cuba? Well, they're, they're coming from Guantanamo, I'm sure. But they shouldn't be... Yeah. But that's the movie. That's the movie. And then we end on a terrible Scott Walker song. <laughs> yes. We should, oh, we should mention so that this is the last movie that... Uh, Cubby Broccoli was involved with because he died after this movie mm-hmm. and he was not really yes. involved with in this one. He was too ill to actually do any major, any production on it. Yeah. This is his name's at the beginning, but it's um, his daughter, Barbara Broccoli. And then Michael G. Wilson take over as the, well, I think his name is the, still uh, on every movie. No, it, 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 yeah. He, it's like a Albert, Albert Broccoli presents mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah at the beginning. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it holds up. It holds up. <laughs> In two weeks, we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> it ha- So, The World Is Not Enough has its problems. Mm-hmm. There are... I go back and forth, but there... I might actually prefer watching that movie to this one, even though this is a better film. I would actually agree with that. Okay. I really like a, The World Is Not Enough. I have more fun, I think, with the other one. I... Okay. I think this is, by far, far and away, Brosnan's best movie. But I think The World Is Not Enough mm-hmm. exemplifies the Brosnan era the best. Yes. And, yeah. No, I, I think that's a good way to put it. This this is exactly the movie I think the franchise needed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it does a great job of it not necessarily rebooting, but revitalizing again. Yes. Uh, almost the same way that uh, The Living Daylights did. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there was a bigger lift on this one because the... No, people for a while didn't think there were going to be any more of them. Right. And I, I feel like if any of the other Brosnan films had happened first, I don't know if it, this franchise continues, honestly. Yeah, um, maybe not. Because, especially considering how poorly License to Kill had done. Right. And this was like, oh, we're going to try a, we're gonna try to do Bond again. Okay. You know, same thing. And, and the, I don't think as good as GoldenEye is, I don't think it's as good as Casino Royale. No. I think th- did the same thing where it was... We're gonna try Bond again, and you, you better you have to make a really good movie to try Bond again and have it take off mm-hmm. a, 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 one more time. Uh, and I think they they managed to pull it off. Yeah, because Casino Royale was a reboot of the franchise, and it worked so well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if I had to critique Goldeneye, it's if anything, it's a bit of a safe movie. I think they they didn't take much in the way of a risk with anything they did in it brosnan's an obviously perfect choice for bond he was going to be bond mm-hmm. back with with the living daylights i don't think the story does anything outlandish or kind of out of the box but it but it's solid it's 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 a 
it's definitely a top tier film. I don't think I'd put it in my top five, but I think it's definitely there are many there are a lot more poorer films than this one. Yes, than than better films. Uh, it's definitely in the top half for me. Mm-hmm. And and again, I I struggle with quality of the film versus a movie that I enjoy watching because again, I might choose to watch The World Is Not Enough over this one, even though I know it's not a better film. We'll get into that when we get to Die Another Day, which I acknowledge is a terrible (laughs) movie, but I love it. (laughs) Oh, that movie. (laughs) But anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say about Goldeneye at this point. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel, or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. You can find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. For now, I'll just say that uh, License to Spiel will return next week with Tomorrow Never Dies. (laughs) 